This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 82 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. And honestly, guys, what the hell is going on out there? Seriously, since Steve and I last taped a podcast, the entire world has changed. Everything has been disrupted. Everything has flipped upside down. Here we are one day, just two friends chatting about a reality dating show where people meet in pods and they fall in love and get married naturally. And then boom, people getting sick. People are dying. The healthcare system is overloaded. Sports stopped. People are losing their jobs. The economy is in a free-for-all. We're all quarantined in our homes for God knows how long. I'm living in this reality, yet honestly, I can't even believe the words that I just said sometimes. It still feels so surreal, and it feels like we're living in this alternate universe every single day. And after I said all that, how bummed out are we? However, every day I wake up and I say to myself, am I healthy? Is my family healthy? And if the answer to both of those questions is yes, whatever else happens that day and whatever else happens moving forward, I'll deal with it. And that's how I'm personally coping with this, just simplifying it to the very core of what's important every single day. When I start to get overwhelmed or start to have all these different issues develop in my life, if I revert back to am I healthy, is my family healthy, and the answer to both of those things is yes, everything else We'll figure itself out. And Steve and I, we've been texting, we've been chatting. We wanted to get together to do a pod to share what life has been like for us while in quarantine and shed some light on our very real feelings and very real struggles. But also, it wouldn't be a conversation with the two of us if we didn't have some fun and hopefully bring a little bit of levity to your day. And Steve's on the line listening to this intro, so let's just bring him in. And Steve, I always ask you this when I intro you, but now it has a little heavier meaning. How are you holding up? Are you good? Uh, I'm good. I'm literally, I didn't really do anything special for the show that I have been doing otherwise during quarantine. I'm currently laying in my bed. So um, <laughs> things are going great. Things are things are super here at the Sruti household. The fact that you're laying in your bed, we need to start there because I want to know what your day-to-day quarantine Whoa. routine is because I'm the same way. I will wake up, I'll get a cup of coffee, I'll lay back in bed, and the next thing I know, it's noon. And I'm like, what have you yeah. done from 8 a.m. until noon in your bed? So take me through your day today. What is life like at the Cerruti household? So I had become like a, a kind of a morning person in a way, which is weird because my entire life I was like a, a complete night owl. And a lot of it I think has to do with the fact that there's no stop. Like every weekend, obviously you wake up, you know, early during the weekday, but every weekend I would also kind of wake up early because I would watch soccer, right? And I would like, I'd get up. It was like one of my favorite things to do was I would wake up at like 7.30, 8, whatever, pop on NBC, watch some Premier League, watch some Serie A, make some breakfast, have a coffee. And so I would get my day started pretty early. Recently, I have found that I have reverted back to just sleeping in and laying in bed for hours on end until sometimes the afternoon because I just have nothing to look forward to today <laughs> whatsoever. I'll still wake up like around eight, but then I'll go back to sleep or I'll get on my phone. I'll pass back out. I'll just, cause I know that I have nothing going on. So it's like, what's the point in starting my day when I know I'm not doing anything today. There's nothing to look forward to. So I've just been eating a ton and I've seen a lot of people do that. I feel like you're so bored that you just eat all the time. I snack all the time. I like plan meals out more than I would ever have planned meals out before because it's the only thing that you can do. So I'll do that a little bit with Maddie. I have tried to figure out some sort of home workout routine, 
which is actually okay, but I don't know. There's only so many things you could do with 10-pound weights in my freaking guest bedroom, right? So I, I'm just I'm kind of making shit up as we go. We're doing the show two days a week with Scal, so that's cool. i got a show. Uh, we're doing the shows Mondays and Thursdays, so at least I have some work things to do. But the thing that just bums me out about this whole thing is I'm pretty introverted. I'm not super social. Like I don't like going out a ton. I am a little bit of a homebody, but I feel just so incredibly useless right now throughout this whole thing. And I think that is finally starting to really bother me a little bit. The dogs are pumped. I mean, we're taking the dogs on like a walk a day, which is like, geez, every day is a weekend for them. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, obviously I'm playing a lot of FIFA too, which I, I like hate play FIFA because <laughs> I know that I shouldn't be playing as much, but like there's nothing else to do. So I'm playing like multiple games of FIFA a day. So things are horrible here, but I just feel incredibly useless right now. And that's not a feeling that I'm used to experiencing. Yeah, I'm with you. Before I get into my routine, the only winners from quarantine are dogs. The only winners are dogs. As dogs are thriving in quarantine. I mean, my dog Louie has, he was not doing well. We thought we might have to put him down. And it's like quarantine has revived him. He goes on walks every day. He's smiling. He's gained all this weight. He's spry. (laughs) I'm like, what's going on? And then I realize I have a very active lifestyle. He's home by himself all the time, like a lot, you know. I'll come in throughout the day, take him on a walk, feed him, etc. And then I'm there at night, obviously. But He's loving life because I'm there all the time. I think I have breathed second life into my dog. I have wondered, though, because we have obviously have two dogs. We have Mom, who's the big dog, and Moose, just a little one. Moose needs human interaction constantly or else he gets anxiety, right? So he's fired up. But I have noticed the bigger dog, Mumford, that I think he sort of cherishes some of the alone time and is a little (laughs) bit uncomfortable with the amount that we are around. So he will just go upstairs and hang out by himself in our bedroom a lot now because he's like, I just can't take you guys. You're here all the time. I've used (laughs) at least eight to 10 hours of alone time a day. And now you guys are here nonstop. Can you please leave? So I think it's a little bit of both. Well, you know, Mumford probably has his own routine, and now you guys have disrupted his vibe. Up. <laughs> yep, we totally screwed up his routine. We totally screwed up his his free days where he can probably do whatever the hell he wants to do, and we're just around the house a lot. And I, I actually do think it kind of annoys him a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Mumford is literally you in dog form. Yeah, no, he's my boy. I mean, Mumford, he's just the best. I said this when we got Moose. I love Moose, but this I wonder if this is how parents feel when they have their second child. It's like, I don't know if I'll love my second child as much as I love my first child. And that's how I feel about Mumford. Yeah, Mumford's the man. I respect you for saying that out loud, though, because I think a lot of parents are like, no, I love them equally. And we're like, stop lying. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, they'll never admit it. It's easier to admit it with a dog. But oh, listen, I don't have kids. You don't have kids. Who knows? But it's life. You always have a favorite in something. And even if it's just a slight favorite, it's always it's something that exists. Like, there's no way that it doesn't exist. So. Right. That's why, as an only child, I sleep well at night knowing <laughs> you, I am the favorite by default. You monopolize your parents. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of that, that it's been super difficult because, okay, so here's my day-to-day routine, and we can circle back to that. But I wake up, I set my alarm, 730, because I'm like you. If I don't set an alarm and get up in the morning, who knows what time I'm going to wake up? Who <laughs> no? I mean, honestly, it could Wait, be noon. you still set an alarm? Yes, I set an alarm, because, and I'll, I'll explain why. So I set an alarm, get up at 730, make some coffee. I will grab my laptop. I will do some work in bed and I try to break up the day. So I'll get up, I'll put workout clothes on and I'll say, okay, at 
11 a.m., I will go on a walk. And then usually I will get sucked into something, whether it's reading an article about all these deaths in Italy or whatever, and then be too bummed out to go on a walk. And I won't get to the walk until like 2 or 3 p.m. I've been running a lot, walking a lot, but only once a day because... I'm afraid to be around people. Then I will finish my work, and it's like, I don't know, 4, 5 o'clock. And I'm like, all right, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? And I'll usually cook something, and then I'm on a Zoom happy hour with my friends. And my— Yes, daily. Wow. I mean, Steve, you know, I know. I was like, I'm going to emerge from this really pale and a full blown alcoholic because it's like yeah, so small men. The, yeah, you have to limit the alcohol intake or else it just will take over because there's just, there's just nothing else to do. And that's what it is. It's food and alcohol. It's dangerous as hell. Like, people are going to come out of this being super unhealthy. Super unhealthy. We're going to be weak. It's like a plant that has not gotten water or sunshine. And we're going to come out shriveled and drunk. It's going to be really bad. Yeah, everyone's going to put on the, the Corona 15 and... <laughs> yeah, the Corona 20, like, right? Wow. Yeah, everyone just, uh, everyone just took a turn for the worst. So for me, when this first happened, like the first week, I was essentially a really bomb housewife with no family because I would wake up, I organized everything, I I deep cleaned everything. I was making these gourmet meals every night. I was like, oh, a crispy kale salad with this salmon, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. I was killing it. And then I'm like okay, now what? You know, then the Zoom happy hours lost their luster. Then I was like, I don't want to put the energy into cooking. And I feel like there are hours of my day that are lost to just debilitating anxiety. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it has really, the coronavirus, COVID has really hit NYC. And a lot of my friends live there. I've spent a lot Mm -hmm. of time there. And three of my friends have it. And so to FaceTime with them and, you know, thank God they're okay. But then talking to them, talking to them about other people that they know that have it, that are in hospitals or on ventilators, all of these things that are happening, reality has really set in for me that, oh my God, this is happening. And, you know, it's going to come to St. Louis. Like this is going to happen in St. Louis on a mass scale. And so now I have this anxiety where I don't want to go see my parents, even though they're desperate to see me because both of my parents are of a certain age and, you know, are in the high risk category. And I'm like, God forbid I'm this vessel that's carrying this virus and I don't know it yet and give it to my parents. You know what I mean? And, um, I don't know, just waiting for the other shoe to drop is really difficult. And so I find myself at night, I'll be laying there trying to watch a movie or something. And it's like that Cardi B song where she's like, coronavirus. It's just, (laughs) that is like in the back of my mind at all times. I'm just like, oh my God, what is going to happen? When is this going to be over? So here's the reason. And because I'm with you, like I am not, I don't have anxiety. Typically, I don't really let a lot of things bother me. But and I'm not stir crazy per se, but all the things that you enjoy being at home or watching a movie or me playing FIFA or like all the things that you now have an abundance of time where you binge watch a bunch of random shows, you can't enjoy it because you don't have the other stuff. You don't have work. You don't have mm-hmm. like all this other things, all these other things that are part of your life that make it so desirable and satisfying to do those things. But it's basically the all cake theory, right? You can't just eat all cake because then cake wouldn't be as good as it is when you enjoy it as a dessert you can't just have that be the main part of your diet right now all of us are you know sitting at home drinking eating watching netflix playing video games and that's usually what like 
10 to 15% of your life and has now become like <laughs> yes. close to 75% of your life. Right. And that's not really healthy. And I was chatting about this with some of my friends. We're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's good. You know, we're at home and we're all kind of, you know, we all like to just sort of stay home and do these things. And we're not super, we don't go out a ton and, and get after it. But it's hard to enjoy all of the things that I enjoy as my hobbies, as the things that I like, because that's the only thing I have to do right now. And I've always had this issue where I just feel like, you know, you and I, like, I feel like we could say this guy work hard. We work hard. We obviously, when we were at ESPN and now you and your job and me and my job, we put in a lot of hours and mm-hmm. like, do a lot of things. And now I just feel like I can't do any of that. And it just makes me feel, I've just never had this feeling before in my life where I just kind of feel so incredibly useless. And you see all these people and like the medical care workers and all of these amazing people that are doing amazing things trying to combat this virus. And like, I'm just sitting here on my couch. I, I, it's just a weird feeling. I don't know how to explain it. I know that there's not like a ton that I can be doing. And what you should be doing is exactly what we're doing. Staying right. at home, not coming in contact with other people. But I don't know. I just, I just don't like this feeling. It's the first time in my life I've ever sort of felt this way. I agree. I feel useless too. And I also, with that uselessness comes massive guilt. So at the beginning yeah. of this, I was like, I dedicate at least three hours of my night every night to watching a game. You know, there's two plus hours of a game. Let's just, for instance, say blues hockey for me, an NBA game for you. At least two hours of a broadcast, plus you're coming up with your thoughts afterwards and you're reading Twitter and reading articles. Three hours a night is a lot. Most people, when they clock out, they go home and that's their own time. They get to watch what they want to watch, consume what they want to consume. For us, as soon as we wrap the show, the work continues. So for the first week of this, I was like, this is what people who don't watch sports do. They have so much time. This is sick. And I watched all of this stuff and I read a full book in a week. It was amazing. I was like, this is great. And then I quickly realized I am really sad without sports. Sports brings joy to my life and joy to communities and brings communities together. And then it went from that to realizing, oh my gosh, a lot of people that I know are out of work now and they're not getting money and they're so stressed out. And then then I was right now supposed to be on a plane headed to South Africa for a wedding. And I'm thinking about my friends whose wedding got postponed and yep. all these people that are dealing with things far worse than what I'm dealing with. So then my anxiety takes a back seat, but then it's also doubled because it's like guilty anxiety where I feel yep. guilty for feeling anxious when all of these people I know are dealing with really, really severe real life consequences because everything just came to a screeching halt. No, it's such a great point. That I feel bad enjoying the things that I normally enjoy. And unfortunately, I don't know. And, and here's the thing. The problem, too, is like it just doesn't we just don't know when this is going to be over. And obviously staying at home is a thing that everyone should be doing and limiting your contact with everybody. But you can't help but look into the future. And be like, OK, you know, when's the first possible day when we could actually start going out again? And because there's total uncertainty on that, especially depending on where you live, but really across the country, like no one has any idea when this is going to be able to sort of end it's just this incredibly hopeless feeling that <laughs> i don't know and again you and i don't have it as bad you, you did a great point of bringing that up as many people do and that's what i think about as well the physical and health aspect of this is important but then the aftermath too of people's mental state of mind a lot of people being unemployed the economic situation of people who are trying to retire and now all of a sudden you look at your 401k and it's a freaking disaster i think about that too and it's hard to not get overwhelmed by it. It really is. It really is. 
I know. And, you know, not to mention, I have put a hard stop on watching the news because I every night would watch the news and I would get so upset and so worked up that I'm like, I cannot exist this way. It's not healthy for me either, unless it's imperative information of this many people in St. Louis have it. You can't go to these places and do X, Y, Z. This is when it's over. I can't watch it anymore because it overtakes me. I, I feel debilitated by it. And, yeah. you know, then I think of not to even make this again about us, but right now you and I are in an OK place and we're just trying to deal with all these things. I Then I think, oh, my God, when will this end? If sports doesn't come back, what does my future look like? What does mm-hmm. my job look like? You know, if sports is canceled for all of 2020, what does that mean for me? And so I just think with everyone and everyone's situation, it's a lot. I mean, not even to go down this rabbit hole too, but I have a friend who has a major job. She just got divorced and she has three young kids under the age of seven who are now out of school. And she lived in New York City in a tiny apartment. So all of a sudden, she still has to work a full-time job, homeschool three kids by herself in a tiny, tiny space in New York. Yep. You know, my... People with kids, (laughs) I mean, because you're right, a lot of them still are working, right? But they... They have to also watch their kids, as you mentioned, and that is, uh, oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, you could do all the Zoom meetings you want and make it easy, and yes, maybe, you know, you don't have to necessarily have the daily commute or whatever, and you can do everything from home on your computer, but it's, it's still, I mean, you're basically, yeah, right, doing two full-time jobs. Yeah, I mean, if we, we've learned a lot of things about ourselves while in quarantine as a society, and one of the things we've learned is that teachers are vastly underpaid and that they should be making <laughs> way more money, and that there's a reason teachers are teachers, because a lot of us do not have the patience or or the scope, the mental scope to be able to do that every day. Yeah, I always wondered too. I've seen people say both the birth rate and the divorce rate is going to skyrocket during this entire thing. I wonder, do you think we'll see more quarantine births or more quarantine divorces? I think more than the usual. I think you're going to see more births than usual. See, I well, think divorces because there are a lot of people yeah. that are very busy and they're able to bury feelings with activities. And when you are stuck in a house with someone and you aren't on the same page and you are stuck there for over a month, I mean, your relationship, your the true nature of your relationship will be revealed. I'm trying to think. There's nothing else to do, so you're more likely to have sex than you normally do, right? Or you're but, too bummed out and depressed to do it. That's true, too. That is true, too. I could be convinced either way, but I do think both of them will probably be up. <laughs> but you're right. That, I, that was always like a, a weird thing to me is when people chose to not live together before being married, which doesn't happen really any, a ton anymore. You know, back you know, with our parents growing up, that was not a thing, right? I couldn't even imagine that you need to go through these trials and tribulations to know whether or not you can live with someone. And people are finding out now the real extremes of actually having to live with people. Okay, so let's dive into this. So speaking of that, I have... You know, I've been having Zoom happy hours a lot with my friends. And so a lot of things have been coming up, these little quirks that you're learning about your significant other while in isolation. So I have a girlfriend who had been in a relationship with a guy and it was kind of new a couple months. And uh, they were like, hey, we should quarantine together. It'll be fun. We can hang out. We can cook. All, all this stuff. All this stuff. She says to us on a Zoom call, she's like, hey, so... um." 
He calls me dude a lot. Should I be concerned that he's really not that into me because he keeps calling me dude? She's afraid that this has revealed that he looks at her as more of a friend than a romantic partner. So I remember, I mean, I guess it just depends on who you are, right? I'm not saying that this guy, he very well could be doing that for the reason that he isn't that into her. But I do remember I used to, one of my good friends, and his ex-girlfriend, I guess ex-girlfriend now, but I don't think they broke up because of this. But they used to both call each other dude. It was kind of weird. I remember it in college. It was like small part of the year. And they were just doing, hey, dude, you want to do this? Hey, dude, you want to do that? Like both the dude and the girl would call each other dude. So <laughs> I, for me, it's not weird because I have that past story. But I don't know. I just think that maybe he's nervous. And maybe that's what he does when he's nervous. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it. If they're still having a good time and he seems like he's still into it, just because he calls her dude doesn't mean it's all of a sudden a red flag that he's not interested. Yeah, I was trying to be super positive, and I'm like, hey, that's what guys call their close friends. Maybe he's just so comfortable with you, and you're his best friend that he's calling you dude. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't do it, but but I don't think it's necessarily like the end of the world. Or I shouldn't say this. Like maybe if, she, if it really bothers her, she should be like, hey, I'm all for pet names, but dude is not one of them. But if I had to guess, and I'm totally guessing here because I don't know either of them, I would say that it's more of a nervous thing than it is a him being, uh, I'm trying to distance myself from you. Hmm. But I mean, if they're shacked up in quarantine together, I don't know why he'd be nervous. Oh, because it's still, we like this, this is their first time sort of living together, right? Oh, yeah. And it only has been a couple months. Yeah. I don't know. It's, It's a totally new experience and it's basically baptism by fire. And that's what, that's what it is. So maybe he's just like a little weird about it. Yeah, and you do just learn different things about your partner. I also have another friend who we were on um, a Zoom happy hour again. Honestly, you guys, I am going to be a problem when I'm done. You know, people are going to be like, hey, Michelle, let's go to dinner. i be like, should we just Zoom happy hour? They're like, no, we don't have to be inside. Well, like, you know what? That's a great point. Now, when in the future, when we're when everything's back to normal, if you cancel plans with somebody, are they? Is the secondary option going to be like, oh, let's just zoom? Because I don't want to do that either. I, that's, that, <laughs> to me, that's only a short-term fix. This isn't some sort of long-term thing where people are like, hey, instead of going out to the bar, let's just zoom together. Because I don't want to do that for sure. Well, I think we are all going to have such PTSD and negative feelings about our time in quarantine that Zoom will be correlated to that. So I think I'm going to be like, you know what I never want to do ever again is Zoom with you guys. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Although I will say this. So, you know, like I'm like everybody, I'm sure like my family, um, my two sisters, one of my sisters out in California, one of my other sisters lives in New York, but she's home in Connecticut with my parents. So we'll Zoom like, I don't know, once a week or whatever, and we'll, or Google Hangout, whatever you, whatever you use, like once a week. And it's fine. Like, it is what it is. But now my mom has sort of resorted to FaceTiming me all the time. And <laughs> yes, for same. anyone that knows me, I fucking hate FaceTime. <laughs> and I don't know who, somebody just like tweeted this out. It was just rude. Random FaceTime calls should be illegal. I think I saw Diana Rossini maybe commenting on this. They should be. You shouldn't just be able to randomly FaceTime. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, I first of all, I don't have like to pick it up. Phone. I I usually don't, but, but but all of a sudden now it has become open season for my mom or anyone really just FaceTiming, and I'm like, no, no, no. This is not. Let's not. We're not starting a precedent here by FaceTiming Steve now. All of a sudden, just because we're all quarantined up here at our houses. So I actually love a random FaceTime. Oh, no, uh, no. One night I was out after a Stanley Cup final game with a bunch of people and Chris Long was with us. He was in town because, you know, 
He loves the loo and he loves the blues. And he is a very notorious FaceTimer. So we would be in a cab going from one place to the other. He's FaceTiming people, being like, I'm in St. Louis. He is a FaceTimer. And I remember thinking, how fun is that? A random Saturday night, you know, one of your friends FaceTimed you from a place you used to be and you're chatting with them. So I had pledged to be more of a random FaceTimer after hanging out with him. And now, listen, I didn't really follow up on it until recently because of a need to see people. But I have to disagree because I think that is almost more fun that it's random and you can check in with someone. And I also, you may realize this too, I think when I FaceTime with people, I get more to the point and I'm not on the phone with them as long as I would be just a phone conversation. Well, definitely not with my mom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She will drag the thing out as long as possible. Yesterday she FaceTimed me. I picked up, but I just left the phone up, like facing upwards. So she's like, why is all I see is the ceiling? And I'm like, because I don't want to, I don't like FaceTiming. We're not doing this. I don't want to FaceTime. And I get the idea of people need contact, right, with each other. They need to see each other and this, this, and that. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. Plus, like, what, what if you're doing something? Like, typically, during these times when I'm being FaceTimed, I'm doing, I'm either, like, working out or I'm working or I'm cooking dinner or I'm playing FIFA or whatever. Whereas, like, if it was a phone call, I might be able to pick it up and it'd be fine. FaceTime is like a whole other ballgame. You really think that if someone FaceTimes you and you're playing FIFA, that they're going to, that you're going to have to pause it to talk to them? Because I feel yeah. like we're in quarantine, so I don't have to do that. I can go about my day. I was FaceTiming with someone the other night while I was cooking dinner. I will say this. I got a face, the one FaceTime that I got, random FaceTime that I really liked, you'll appreciate this, was from our old boss, Liam. Oh, he, yes. This was a while ago. It, it was after I left ESPN. We hadn't talked for a while. He randomly FaceTimed me, and he was at some bar in maybe West Hartford or whatever, and it was there was like a Third Eye Blind song on. He was singing karaoke to it, <laughs> so he had FaceTimed me. So other than that, I will say that is a great time to FaceTime me because it's hilarious. But if you're just like, hey, what's up, and just shoot the shit because you're bored, no, 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 pass. I have a major bone to pick with Apple because I've thought about this for a long time, but it is 2020 and we're in quarantine. We need this. Why can't you leave a FaceTime voicemail? Because I think that that would be the best. If you're drunk at home in quarantine and you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to FaceTime Saruti. And then you don't pick up. I could obviously be like, Saruti, pick up, whatever. And then you you could do that on Snapchat, though, basically. But it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think if you could look at my FaceTime voicemail and be like, oh, my God, Michelle's. Well, now I'm just at home and it's depressing. But pre-lockdown, you could be like, oh, she's out with so-and-so. I should FaceTime them back. You have the option to see the person, see the state they're in and what they're doing. I think that is obviously a better option. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, theoretically, you could just send them a video, though. Right, you can literally it's just not send the same. Them. It's not the same. It, it, it's literally the same. <laughs> it is not the same because when you leave a voicemail, when that buzzer goes deep, like leave a voicemail, deep, it's game time. It's like when you're on a show and the light goes on, you got to say what you want to say. You got to say something compelling enough to make sure the person calls you back. Whereas I feel like if I'm sending a video, it takes up a lot of data. It takes a while to to go through. It's just not the same. Um, I mean, I can tell you that I would not be partaking in this, so <laughs> maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but it's the exact same thing of just sending someone a video message. It's not, message. but, okay, what about this? So I have a girlfriend who is single, and she's like, oh my God, now is the time to strike on the apps because everyone's stuck at home, so I need to be swiping. Wait a second. Is it? 
That's what she said. I know she said that, but it, I'm just trying to like talk. Is this prime season for like random people to hop on a dating app and just start? Because you can't go out with anyone. You, it's all you're just gonna be texting forever. But I think it is swiping season because a lot of people are at home alone and they're like, guess what? This blows. And if we're going to have another quarantine come the fall, I need to be booed up. This is like cuffing season. You're priming yourself for a secondary cuffing season. So she said that the apps have been popping, that there are dudes on there left and right, way <laughs> higher volume than before. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, people are probably bored, so they're yeah. more likely to do it. Um, Honestly, what I mean, else are you doing? Is- and so she swiped, met a guy. They've been texting for a few days. And he's like, hey, since I can't take you out on a date, we should FaceTime so that I can see you face-to-face. And she asked us on a group text, she's like, am I weird that I think FaceTiming with a stranger is more intimate than just meeting them casually for drinks? And half of the girls said yes, that they thought FaceTiming with someone was more awkward. I took the opposite route and said, I think it's so much easier because if you aren't vibing with him or this person doesn't look the way you thought they would or they're awkward or you just aren't connecting conversationally, you could either be like, oh, I have a bad connection and hang up. Or you could just say, hey, my mom keeps beeping, gotta go. (laughs) You can end it much faster. I'm much more with your friends on this one. I'd much rather go out and meet someone at a bar that I had matched with on whatever than FaceTime. FaceTime's so incredibly personal, I feel like. It's it's so one-on-one. There's no other interaction. Like, I know at a bar, like, you're obviously sitting at a table or whatever, but at least there are other people around you, and there's, this, like, this vibe. I just feel like there's way too much pressure to FaceTime, <laughs> carry a conversation, not look kind of weird, make sure the angle is right. Mm, I, there's too many yes. factors in there for me that I think that's a crazy thing to do. Now, I'm not saying people won't do it, and maybe... How long have they been talking for? I mean, a few days. I would need much more time than that. And that's that brings up an interesting point, too, is now, is this going to be like a situation, not a love is blind situation, but almost all these people are going to be meeting on these apps, right? And they're going to be talking, and then months are going to have to go by before they can actually see each other physically. This is going to kind of be like a watered-down love is blind situation here. I totally agree because people are going to be making these major, major quarantine connections, chatting, FaceTiming, and then you see them in real life. And maybe the lighting is not great and the angle yeah. is not good. Or maybe the photo is like 10 years old. You never know. <laughs> you know? Yes. Maybe they got a bad haircut. You know, who knows? But they were emotionally there for you during yeah, this you tough time. <laughs> you guys like, have seen some shit together. Yeah, it's like basically it's like World War II veterans that, you know, all meet up <laughs> with each other after to relive the, you know, the camaraderie. That's what it's going to be like. We got everyone got through this together. Oh my god, and then they're, you're going to finally go on a physical date out in the wild yeah. and you're going to be doughy and dumpy because you were locked up for a month and you guys are exactly. going to each be so drunk <laughs> because exactly. you have to this exist with alcohol. Yeah, I mean, you should be so lucky that you already found your soulmate because shit's going to get really weird. It's already gotten weird at the street household. I mean, I'm not going to lie, pants haven't been put on a lot, you know. Sweatpants, yes. Mostly sweats, sweatpants and basketball shorts. You know, we're trying to keep up with the laundry. Cleaning is, you know, it is what it is. We're trying to keep be cleanly. But listen, we are both at our most lazy selves a lot of times. And not because we want to be lazy, but because it just kind of that's the way it is. So, you know, you're right. I am lucky that I have someone to basically quarantine with. Like I do, it, it must be odd for you. I wonder how, although you go to work, so it's different. So you do have personal contact. Like what about that person in New York City who has a studio apartment Right. And they can't see their friends. They can't see their family. Maybe they like move there for a job. So they're kind of there by their by themselves. They are getting no human interaction. 
none. So I have a friend who um, got really sick and has unconfirmed COVID, but for sure has it. For sure has it. Our one friend confirmed, got the test, had it, and was at a group dinner with a bunch of other people that I'm friends with. And then two of my other friends subsequently got sick. Both of them independently emailed their doctors and were like, hey, I think I have it, blah, blah, blah. Their doctors were like, listen, we don't have tests, so you cannot come in here and get tested. You have to stay in your apartment for at least 14 days. If your symptoms reach X point, go to the emergency room or call me and we'll walk through it. But in the meantime, do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. But whatever you do, do not leave. So my one friend was really sick and was alone and still he has a huge finance job and still had to work every day and was in a tiny tiny new york city apartment all by himself for three and it's going on three plus weeks now and he passed day 14 so he was able to go to like cvs he was getting food delivered and stuff but he was like i am withering away as a person. He's like, there's nowhere to go. I'm stuck here. I can't walk around. And, you know, a lot of those New York City apartments don't have real kitchens, so he couldn't really cook yep. anything. And he had to work every day. And he's, I mean, honestly, he's told me his job like 600 times, and I still can't describe it. But it's one of those things where you need multiple screens to do like, trading on finance. <laughs> so he's like, I don't have a desk, so I'm trying to figure this out. And he's like, my back is killing me because I'm basically hunched over on my couch every day trying to type while I'm dealing with what is most likely coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds terrible. He's like, I need to see humans. I need someone to touch me. I just need someone to hug me and touch me. <laughs> Like, physically touch me. I was like, yes. And he doesn't have a pet, I assume, right? No, no pets. And, like, thank oh. God, because he couldn't leave his apartment. Yeah. He had, he had corona. And, I'll by the it. way, that's another thing. When they say this many people in the city have it, I'm like, double or triple that, because I know all these people that likely have it who have not been tested. So they're not even oh, being counted. Yeah. Forget it. But anyway, Oh, yeah, for going. sure. <laughs> Maddie and I were convinced that we had it for a while, because I just kind of felt really run down. And I don't get sick a lot. And when I do get sick, it's usually kind of biblical, like once or twice a year, maybe yeah. once. And it was probably two weeks ago or something. I, I felt like this weird thing in the back of my throat, and I just kind of felt really sluggish. And I was getting headaches, and I didn't have, like, a cough or anything, so I don't know. And I didn't have a – I don't think I had a fever, but, like, we were basically just, like, convinced that we had it, like, super paranoid about it. And even that was just annoying. So I could imagine, one, being alone, and two, actually having, like, full-blown corona by yourself. I feel like absolute shit. Totally. Um. I, I don't know. That's a, so that's basically like the exact nightmare scenario that I laid out. Like <laughs> someone who's in New York in a studio apartment just hanging out by themselves. That must be, I listen, I probably take for granted the amount of human impact. Because like, you know me. Like, I like to kind of be by myself and do my own thing or whatever. But you do, as a species, need human <laughs> interaction. And, and you're right, human touch at least, you know, yes. not you can't go two weeks without it. No, you can't. And I'm Italian, so I'm a hugger. I'm very affectionate, touchy feel. Now, if anyone even gets near me, I'm like, step away. Step away from me. Yeah, like, spray it in the face with Lysol. Yeah, I'm like, you are not six feet. Make it seven. Get away. And I feel like I'm going to be such a full-blown weirdo after this. I have such anxiety to go anywhere now. So even to come into the studio, I brought this bag with me. It has Clorox wipes, gloves, hand sanitizer, all this stuff. When I was at the grocery store the other day, I was so worried that I would get close to someone or that I would touch something. And once I got in the car, I Lysoled my hands or I sanitized my hands. I Lysoled my car. I Lysoled everything. I'm like, this is not 
a healthy way to live. And I understand it's necessary right now, but the paranoia and anxiety that I feel to do anything really just sucks. It sucks all the joy out of your life. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, what is life going to be like even when we come back? I'm not going to want to hug people. I'm going to be like, get away from me. What are you thinking? Well, that's what freaks me out about this is when, you know, until there's like a vaccine, right? There, There's always a risk of getting it, right? Because yeah. It could, the curve can completely flatten and go down or whatever, and people can get some sort of immunity to it, but it'll still be there. So, I, yeah, you think you're right. People are going to be super paranoid. And I was at, what was it, Whole Foods, maybe like a couple of days ago or last week or something. And it's incredible. They let 50 people in at a time. There's a line. You have to stand six feet, six feet apart from everyone. There are like taped off sections where like basically if one person's in this six foot radius, another person can't step in there. So if I'm looking to buy some bad broccoli and this person's already in there trying to grab some bad broccoli for themselves, I have to wait outside of that area until they leave to go into that area. It's this whole weird gridded off section. It was insane. And there's glass in front of all of the, uh, the people that are checking you. It was this unbelievably surreal thing. And it's a bunch of different people. There are people in there, like, fully head-to-toe decked out in hazmat gear. Then there's people that are, like, me that walk in with nothing, basically. Because I'm just like, whatever. I'll just, you know, hold my breath, I guess. But it was this weird – I almost felt like I was in a science fiction movie where, like, we're in this weird, you know, utopian future where, you know, like, the air isn't breathable and you have to take all these precautions. (laughs) Food isn't necessarily contaminated – is possibly contaminated. Literally, I felt like I was in some sort of weird sci-fi movie. This is one of those things that if a movie came out about this, and I know that a lot of people watch Contagion and stuff like that, which I still have not yeah. seen. But I love a, how all those movies are now like the top trending ones on Netflix too. Like people are watching. I saw this movie called The Flu in the top ten, and <laughs> it mean, got like a four on Rotten Tomatoes. But people are somehow watching it because they want to bask in the pain. Yeah, they're emotional masochists. I saw this meme that was like. Hey, in 2010, if someone said, yo, listen up, in 2020, all of these things are going to happen, and they listed it out, you would be like, stop smoking crack. You would not believe that this is real life. Yep, here we are living it. Um, Okay, but I don't want to get negative again, but I want to circle back to what you said about you and your quarantine uniform because basically basketball shorts and sweatpants for me it's athleisure wear i do every day wake up and put on exercise clothes in hopes of actually exercising at some point i'm a firm believer if you wear the outfit you will be more likely to do it i have a friend who hit me up and was like listen my husband wakes up every morning showers gets ready puts on jeans and a sweater and then we'll sit on the couch and watch netflix he's getting fully dressed to hang out in quarantine and she's like is he brilliant because he feels more like a human or is he a serial killer it's one or the other i would not do that because i like to wear jogger sweatpants as much as I possibly can, or basketball shorts, depending on the season. I will take my jeans off immediately when I get home. First thing I do, um, because I don't find jeans comfortable. I don't find regular pants comfortable. I don't care who says that they are. They are not comfortable. <laughs> but I'll say this. If that is what is getting this dude through this mentally, where he feels like he could be more productive and his, his life is more normal if he just puts on a pair of jeans every day, I'm all for that because I think that's that's just a coping mechanism, right? It wouldn't make me feel better. It would make me feel way worse because I hate wearing jeans around. But if for him, that somehow normalizes his day-to-day process, then I'm all for it. I agree, but I'm already restricted enough. I don't need my legs to be restricted as well. Yeah, I don't want it, like, by all <laughs> means. And unfortunately, you're right, the athleisure thing. The problem is like now everyone's just rocking that all the time. So are we more or less likely to work out because we're wearing sweatpants all the time? I don't know. I can say this. 
I have definitely worked out way more now than I was before because it's just boredom. Like I just want, I feel like if I've worked out that I've at least did something productive today, you know, whereas if I didn't do that, then I'm like, shit, it's just another day sitting on the couch, reading through my phone and watching Netflix. You need things every day to make it seem like you've actually accomplished something. And for me, that's doing like a 20, 30 minute stupid workout. For me, I've been working out every day just because I want to get outside. It's been absolutely perfect uh, weather here in problem. St. Louis. And so I'm just like, get me outside. But here's the problem is I hate, so I hate running, hate it. I know you're a, a, you know, a half marathon, marathon person. I hate running, hate it with a passion. I like playing sports. I love playing pickup soccer, pickup hoops, whatever. I need there to be an objective. So I've like kicked around, do I start running now or do I let my hatred of running take over? And I have yet to go for a run. Now it is getting nicer here. You're right. Like you said, it was nice in St. Louis. I think it was like close to 60 the other day here in Connecticut. Sun's kind of coming out. The grass is growing sort of springy a little bit. And I'm going to want to be outside more, but I absolutely loathe running. Loathe it. I, and I don't know how long it's going to take before I, before that maybe breaks its habit. I think we could be here for a year and I probably still won't run. Well, you should do a couch to 5K, one of those apps where every day it's like you run, walk for like 10 minutes or whatever, and then it builds you up to a 5K. But those things... But I hate it. <laughs> I understand you hate it, but that is a nice sense of accomplishment, right? Where you'll run half a mile one day and then you check it off the list you're like did it today and maybe after doing something like that you'll look forward to it because it's so nice outside and you can go outside and go on a run that's true i mean we we go outside because we take the dogs for a walk every day so we go on like a nice maybe two three mile walk with them so i'm going outside i'm getting sunshine i'm getting my vitamin d which i've ever told the story like oh. first year at espn when I was like running the overnight board on the weekends and I had no life and everything sucked. And I was literally working Friday, Saturday, Sunday night from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., right, running this audio board. And then at that time, there were no live shows. So I was just hitting buttons that would play tape shows <laughs> and making sure the commercials played. So it was just me. I became very vitamin D deficient and had to take supplements because of it. And honestly, I think that has it drastically impacted how I, because I used to be able to tan so well. Like I'm an Italian guy. By the way, I just did Ancestry.com. I got my mom got it for me for, uh, for Christmas. Shocker, came back mostly Italian. Love that. From the, from the Sicily region, which is obviously, you know, southern part of Italy, the southern island there. So very tan. And then ever since I've had that whole vitamin D thing, I've no longer been able to tan. I'm just the palest person ever, and I look like Edward from uh, Twilight. Um, I have started rewatching The Sopranos, and one of my favorite lines so far is they were t <laughs> Tony. You know his therapist is also Italian, Doctor Melfi, and he goes, mm. <laughs> he goes, "What part of the boot you from, hun?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm outside, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard. I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm only gonna ask other Italians what part of the boot you from, hun. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh I'm trying to think, what else did I get, too? I got, oh, we've digressed, but I'll just get into it. I got, what, I think it was like 50, 53%, 4% Italian, right? And it was like specifically from like the lower Sicily region. And then I got like 30-something percent from Eastern Europe. And a lot of this I knew, too. Like my mom, her half of her family is from Czechoslovakia, which is like the Czech Republic, Slovakia, like all these countries that are in there. So I kind of knew that. And then... The surprise one for me, I got 14% Greek, which I was fired up about because I feel like Greek people are like the coolest people. To, that's the coolest ethnicity you could have because they have the best last name, 
it, like Greece is fucking awesome. They got dope food. I know it's a pretty poor country, but I felt like Greece. I was so pumped to be like fourteen percent Greek that like I think even Maddie was like, "You need to calm down." Like, I don't know why you're so excited about this. I can't believe you would say that. Yes, being Greek is very cool, but I feel so pumped to be Italian every day, especially now seeing everything Italy's going through and just the way that they're finding beauty in different things. And when I went to Italy. I was like, yeah, if I wasn't from here, if my family wasn't from here and I didn't have this culture in my life, I would desperately try to adapt yeah. it in, into my life because... Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for people that aren't Italian. Like, I really too. do. I was just going to say, the only thing I dislike about myself is that my last name doesn't end in a vowel because people don't realize yeah. I'm Italian. Yeah. What? So your dad is half? Yeah, so my dad's mom, Polly, straight off the boat from Cremona, yeah. northern yeah. Italy. My What's dad's up? dad's dad was Native American Indian, and that's where Smallman comes from. It was, I believe, Cherokee. I believe his name was Small Man and changed it to Small Mun. This is family lore. It could be a crock of shit. I don't know. But this is what they told me. They changed it to Small Mun so he could get a job to sound French because obviously Native American Indians did not get a lot of opportunities here in their native lands. And there were also, his family members also had the last name Black. And if you read about Native American uh, nomenclature, essentially, a lot of them have names like that. Um, So, yeah, my dad was over 50% Italian, but Smallman comes from my Native American heritage. Shelly Smalls. Well, I, and that, <laughs> that actually makes me think of, didn't I, t- I told the story about the French thing, right? Where yes, like my yes. Family, so I assume this debunks that, right? I got yes. no French. No French? Yep, Even though no French. you potentially had a French murderer in your family? Yeah, yeah. So for those that didn't listen, there was always this thing in my family where we came from France because someone committed murder and then basically left the country and went right over the border to near Genoa, Italy, which is upper northwest part of the boot, so right next to France. And my last name is C-E-R-U-T-I now, and it used to be C-E-R-U-D-E. So I guess Ancestry.com debunked that. It's not true. Maybe it just got lost in uh, translation. Maybe he was Greek. Maybe that's where the 14% Greek comes from. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I will say you're 100% right. I do feel bad for people that aren't Italian. One, because it's the most ridiculously beautiful country there is. Ever. Um, The food is amazing. And, yes, the heritage is obviously amazing, too. Now, Italy is, like, the worst-run country there probably is. If you've ever been there, you'll understand. And I follow a lot of European soccer, and, like, just the business models over there are absolutely horrific. But as far as food, culture, drink, whatever, Italy is probably – I mean, Italy is the number one seed if we're doing, like, a bracket of of ethnicities, right? I would imagine, like, what, what beats Italian? Do you even think that there's a close second? Greek and Spanish, maybe close seconds, but Italians get everything right. Yes, a lot of the way things are run are based a lot on emotion, and I don't think that people necessarily... Uh, did you see, I I think it was the governor of an Italian town, he went bananas in a video screaming at people for going running, and he was like, I too like to keep up an exercise routine where I jog from time to time over 20 years. And I was like, that's the most Italian thing ever, where you're yelling at people for working out when you say, yes, I also work out, but I can't casually jog sometimes over a 20-year span. Yeah, I work out. I've, yeah. I've ran like three times in the last Yeah, like, three year, times in yeah, 20 I years. Out. I also enjoyed the beauty of running. But, but those people are healthy. It's weird. Like, oh, it's, my it's God. weird. When I lived there, there was a, one gym in the town, 
and it was all American transplants in the gym. And we would be running on the treadmill, we're sweating, we're lifting weights, we're doing all this stuff. There would be, I don't know, two to five Italians that ever came in there over a six month span. And they would be wearing jeans. One guy that would come in, jeans, black turtleneck, and he would walk on the treadmill at a two. So he was barely moving, <laughs> barely moving. That is interesting. So is gym culture a very American thing? Yes, like, very American. I mean, people in Italy, I, I think, get exercise, but they do it in such a different way. But Yeah, they live their life. They, they totally live their life. When I was in Italy, I have never eaten more in my entire life. I was eating two full things of gelato a day. I would get my afternoon gelato and my post-dinner gelato. I was drinking wine with every meal. I was eating pasta and pizza, and I lost so much weight. It was insane. But it's because I was eating real food without preservatives, and I was walking everywhere. You have to walk everywhere. So you're getting exercise when you don't even necessarily consider it to be exercise. So in America, we are in the gym for hours a day trying to sculpt our bodies because we're inherently sedentary people. We sit at a desk all day. Well, and the dust settles, and who, and, and maybe who knows? Maybe we're looking for new jobs one day. We're gonna start doing the uh, we're gonna start doing the small talk show just straight from from Italy. I think that'll be healthier for everybody. We'll oh, go yeah. there. We'll hang out. We'll buy like some villa randomly somewhere. And just hang out. So here's my play for us. I think we get a little place in the Amalfi Coast, and we do the pod live from there. It'll be great because when we tape it, by the time we edit it and drop it, it'll be like first thing American time. <laughs> yep. And yep. so we'll be like first on the scene. And also our place, we could come back and visit America and rent it out to other people. And Self-sufficient. Here yeah, we go. make some money. But I, I thought about that because obviously Italy has been dealt a very rough hand of cards and there's a lot of suffering happening over there right now and it just shatters my heart but I was looking back at pictures from my most recent Italian trip where we did Rome and then the Amalfi Coast and I thought to myself I have never in my life been more content and relaxed than I was on that trip. Because when you go down to the Amalfi Coast, there's nothing to do other than relax. That is another amazing part of Italian culture is they force you to stop and savor what you're eating and savor your company and savor the beautiful landscape around you and the savor the wine you're having. And we just aren't programmed that way. So did you read the Wright Thompson piece on ESPN.com about Italy? No, oh, I don't think so. It's the best thing I've read in a long time. And if you're Italian or you've spent any time in Italy, you will, anyone will resonate with it. But it, it certainly speaks to those who have been there. But he has a favorite restaurant that he goes to in Rome all the time. And he has one specific waiter that always waits on him. And he interviewed the waiter. And the waiter said, you know, Italy's dealing with really tough times, but we do our best work when we're in the kitchen. So we're forced to be in the kitchen a lot during this quarantine. And he's like, you know, my mom always taught me you cook first with your heart, then with the pans. And so that's the way Italians are getting through this. It's like they're cooking a lot in quarantine. Whereas a lot of Americans, think about our day to day. We wake up, we go get a coffee on the run. We're eating our lunch at our desk. We're microwaving or getting takeout for food at night. We don't we don't necessarily live life in that same manner. So that's why I think it's been such a severe adjustment for a lot of people to actually be forced to spend a lot of time in their homes. Another reason why Italy, number one seed. Okay, let's say it's a four 
section bracket, obviously, like north, south, east, west. Like a, like a we're talking like 64, 64 yeah. different ones. Yeah, we're going full NCAA tournament style. We should do this. A lot of people are out there making brackets. We should do a country <laughs> or a, go, a culture one. But, like, what is the – what is the? it's not just where you'd want to – would it be where you want to live or is it – because. No, just culture in general, right? Something that you would look at and be like, they're they're doing life right over there, you know? It's so subjective, too, because I feel like there's so many people that would be like, oh, look at Norway and all those countries, Sweden, they have all right. this, they have great, what, universal health care, all this stuff. Like, there's things, there's all these different things, and it really just depends on what you want. Right. For me, Italy would definitely be a one seed. But the problem is, again, Italy, though, it has its drawbacks. I said, like, it's a disaster economically. <laughs> Everything is backwards. Nothing makes sense. They just are behind the times and, and, and basically all of that. Right. I'm trying to, like, I'm, I don't know what else would be a one seed. That's though. what like, I'm saying, though. What else would be a one seed? Maybe. So, okay. Based like on Germany, play- but no. Mm. Germany is a, I feel like Germany is a really well-run country, but as far as the beauty of it, there's not, it's not like they have the beaches like Italy has or like the, the well, climate that Italy has. We're also talking general aesthetic, the vibe of the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, this is totally subjective, but Thailand is up there. The Thai people certainly have a great essence about them. Amazing food, great beaches. The be- the country is beautiful. Everyone there is so sweet and welcoming and accommodating, at least the people that I ran across, obviously. Um, but you know, you're so right. As soon as we release this podcast, someone's going to tweet on us and be like, hey, you're sleeping on Malaysia, bro. Here, yeah, here's the problem. is Everyone's going to have different thoughts on what their reasoning is and why they want to be somewhere. Um, and then, of course, if we seed it, people are going to be pissed off if we put, like, some random question that somebody loves. There's, like, a 15 seed. So we're setting ourselves up for, just, for, for people to just kill us on this one. But I, I don't know. That's a great question. Like, I, don't, like, I can only judge, too, by countries that I've been to. Like, I know. Not, like, I haven't been to every 64 different countries where I could judge this on. You know, a lot of people that I know that have been to Brazil universally would say Brazil. They love Brazil. Brazil. Kind of dangerous, though. Yeah, that's true. Condom, I mean, just is dangerous. And isn't there a lot of poverty there, too? <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah. not, I wouldn't say the government's super well run. You know, like it's, Argentina? Mm, kind of the same as Brazil, I think. I, um, you know, I'm drinking a lot of Argentinian Malbecs these days. <laughs> so there out, you go. So good, good wine. But yeah. again, you know, what's their healthcare situation going on? I mean, the general vibe there is probably good. You could have a good time, but I don't know. The poverty rate's probably not awesome. Here's the real question. Does America get a one seed? Um, I think it has to be a one seed. I mean, I know there are going to be super woke people that'll be like, nope, dude. Like, you know, <laughs> look at our president. And it's just like, yeah, but it's, it's not right now. It's, I would say that this country still has the most opportunity for anyone to come here and make something of themselves, probably more than anywhere else. Yes, there are certainly drawbacks like there are in every single country. But if, I actually don't understand how you could possibly say the U.S. isn't a one seed. Yeah, I would definitely make us a one seed too. And this What's is a Canada. Ooh, everybody see, Canada now, right? I've never been to Canada, but I've heard great things. Great things about Canada. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been to Toronto like one time. Adnan showed me around. It was an All Star weekend. We had a great time, but like, I don't know. I haven't seen the entire country. Toronto was cool. Yeah, I think internationally, people may put Canada as a one seed over America because I don't think internationally we're very beloved. <laughs> Yeah, but let's be honest, and I love our, you know, our friends to the north, but there are so many more places that you'd want to live just a day-to-day life in America than there are in Canada. Come on. Sit back. Relax. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. It's time for a review on the Small Talk Podcast with Michelle Smallman. 
Brought to you by Land Rover St. Louis. Let's take a pause. We'll put a pin in our convo with Steve and get to a review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts. Search for Small Talk. It's a black box with little white writing. I believe it's all lowercase. Click on it, subscribe to Small Talk, rate it preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like this person, Zeegs31, who says, A-plus content, five stars. The Megapod on Love is Blind was better than anyone could imagine. I felt like I was in a conversation with two of my closest friends. Can you two please do the next Megapod on Tiger King? This show is crazy and... And I know both of you will enjoy it. Well, Zeke's 31. Funny you should say that because part two of this pod is dropping on Monday. And we, of course, both watch Tiger King. We are in quarantine after all. And we have a lot to say on Joe Exotic, on Carol Baskin, on the entire crew, on Tiger King. We are going to, in addition to our Tiger King breakdown, give you our battle-tested A-plus quarantine content, plus our top three most annoying social media trends of the lockdown era, okay? We have a lot coming up in part two that's going to drop Monday, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Well, thank you again to Steve. Thank you to Anthony for mixing this all down, uploading it. Thank you for listening. And like I said, we will be back in action on Monday. But until then, hope you guys are doing okay. Stay home, stay safe, stay six feet apart, and please wash your hands. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.